0: Well, thank you for joining us for Everything Under the Sun, the AccuWeather podcast. I'm your host, meteorologist Regina Miller, and this week we're taking a look back at the 1985 devastating tornado outbreak that occurred on the evening of May 31st. There were 43 tornadoes in Ohio, Pennsylvania, New York, and Ontario. Eighty-nine people were killed and more than a thousand injured. Listen to some of these news accounts following the devastation from WICU-TV in Erie, Pennsylvania.
1: The storm swept into Erie County with a vengeance, claiming at least eight (laughs) lives in the Albion area. The storm steamrolled into Albion and Cranesville, leveling homes, stores, damaging churches, and uprooting trees.
0: Confirmed reports state that the tornado has taken at least 12 lives in just this community alone,
1: with 10 still missing. Last night, there were reports of looting, and today the
0: National Guard was on the scene policing the area. Well, coming up, we'll be talking to Bob Larson and Dave Dombeck, senior meteorologist, who were both here at AccuWeather that day. But first, we talked to a survivor of the tornadoes that day in one of the hardest hit areas. Well, now I'm joined on the phone by Jenny Mosser. She lived in the like Coming County Elamsport area back in 1985 when we had the tornado outbreak. So hi, Jenny. Thanks so much for talking to me.
2: Hi, how are you?
0: Good, good. You know, I wanted to tell our listeners I found out about you because we had, you know, we had an article that we posted during one of the anniversaries of the tornado outbreak, and I had seen your story on there and was amazed by it and thought, you know what, I have to reach out to Jenny to find out more about this. So can you tell me about what happened the day of the tornado outbreak?
2: Well, during the day, it was a really, really very, very odd day. Um, my mom and I walked down to look at some trees in the yard, and it just was very quiet and very still. And it was like that the entire day. It was really hot, and um, I can't remember if it was muggy out, but it was very hot and this absolute silence. You didn't hear a bird in the sky or any kind of movement at all. And I lived right beside the game land, so you'd expect to hear. All those kind of noises.
0: So you all you almost kind of had the sense that even animals recognized something was yeah coming. Yes. right. Mm-hmm. And you were how old at the time?
2: I was thirteen. You were thirteen, and yeah.
0: Tell me about how the day unfolded.
2: Well, we were um, getting kind of settled in for the evening because we sit and watch TV in the evenings, and um, it was kind of strange. My um, my little brother was nine months old. At the time and my mom was getting him ready for bed and she was thinking about laying him down and she says I think I'm just gonna hold you and sit with you in the chair. Well, it was a good thing she did. Uh, We sat I think it was about eight o'clock we all kind of settled down and we were all horsing around it. My stepbrother was there my brother. Ed was there, um, my brother Ben, and my mom, my stepdad, and my my little brother Justin, who was nine months at the time. Well, so
0: your whole family was kind of just kind of hanging out.
2: Yeah, yeah. We were just watching the evening television shows. Um, it was actually the day before my mom's birthday. Her birthday's June 1st. I'm not sure exactly why we were like everybody was there, but um, I didn't know if we were going to have a celebration the next day or not which probably never took place. yeah. And I think it was around, storm happened about nine, around, I think, nine o'clock. I mean, my timing might be a little bit off, but it was dark out. Mm
0: -hmm. And
2: we saw something come across the screen, which back in those days, tornadoes weren't even heard of. So you would have never thought that a tornado would have ripped through our backyard. And we saw it come across the screen and... My mom says, "Oh, look! There's a tornado watch." And at first, I'm not even sure we got a warning. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. I'm not 100% sure if, it, but there may have been, and, but it may have been after the fact. All of a sudden, it, it started lightning. And when I when I say lightning, it was a constant flash. It it just lit up the sky. It just didn't stop. And then all of a sudden, our window blew through our front window. My mom got us all up and took us down into the basement. My stepfather decided that he was going to stay upstairs and open the windows. Cause back in those days, they told you to open all your windows. Right. Um,
0: because we, I, I remember we did a podcast once on uh weather myth, like myths or folklore mm-hmm. and people thought that it was a pressure change that caused problems. So they would think, well, yeah. we'll just open all the windows. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, my, as my mom was taking us uh, down into the basement, you could actually see the walls kind of moving almost like the house was breathing wow um you could feel the air you could feel the air my stepfather had opened the front door he got sucked out of the door wow um he landed what well, at the time i thought he landed on the road but he had just corrected me and said he landed by the, fr- the tree in the front yard he was able to see he was able to stand up and he was able to see it take our barn Wow, um it took our barn and we had a bunch of we had a chicken coop, we had an outhouse an old outhouse. we had um, some uh, dog coops and things out back. Um, kind of lived on a little farmette and then the the barn, of course, which none of it was left. There was not a single thing left. So it went right through it. It went right through it. It completely took it, it, we still don't know where some of the barn is to this day. Wow. Um, but the, the one funny thing is it, um, it, we had some grapevines and he had these big, heavy, thick, um, pools holding it up. Well, that, the, it snapped one of the pools snapped, but in the garden, right in front of it was one of those little whirly, those little whirly things that, um, oh, like
0: the, like the, where kids would blow on them, like, and it, right. Of,
2: yeah. It was still there. Did not move.
0: Are you serious? That's incredible. <laughs> yeah,
2: like it's so weird how that would be. Yes, yes. Right. And uh, well, we we got into the basement. Um, we went in probably in the wrong corner that we should have went into, but at that time, I mean, that's what we knew. Um, so we went into that corner. Later on, we had found out that the house has shifted and if it would have shifted any more it could have collapsed in on us
0: oh wow so it shifted off its foundation
2: yes uh, Yeah, slightly shifted yes mm-hmm. it took we lost our back porch we also lost our chimney and then all the outbuildings and but the house itself still still stood mm-hmm. so we were very very fortunate to still have our home So,
0: and your, and your, your stepdad too, like what, so he was sucked out the door. He was sucked
2: out the door. Yep. He was literally
0: sucked out the door. Yep. And then he was just out there kind of watching it unfold. Was he
2: injured Mm
0: -hmm. as this was all?
2: Absolutely not. I have no idea how he, wow. (laughs) Yeah. He was, he's a hard headed man, but um, yeah. Uh, My neighbors, God love them. um, They lived in a trailer right behind us. While well, kind of catty corner from our house, they they came out their house. Their one daughter. They literally were hanging on to her while, like, to keep her from flying away from the wind. Wow. So they they were they were hanging like she was actually. If if they wouldn't have had a good hold on her, they would have lost her. How so old was she? To, she you was probably. Estimate? she was probably maybe eight or nine at the time she was she was a lot younger than me but
0: and you yeah. had said uh, you lost a few of your na- a couple of your neighbors yes died we lost
2: them. we lost two ladies um, that were across the field from us two older ladies um, the one lady's last name was Taylor I can't remember the other lady's last name um we also I have friends who her house she was going down into her basement and her house just ripped right off the top of her um that was the weavers their their house just literally picked up and as she was going down into the basement picked up and come right off of the top of them now and they they were were, very fortunate
0: they they survived
2: yes they survived wow Yep. wow yeah
0: and so you know it's interesting because i grew up in pennsylvania as well and there was always this belief that the mountains and and the terrain protected you from Mm -hmm. tornadoes and that they just wouldn't Mm -hmm. happen in pennsylvania
2: right Mm -hmm. right
0: so you said that you did see a tornado you believe a tornado watch came across but uh yeah but it's it was very different at that time as well just because Mm -hmm. you don't have social media you don't have different things informing you that this is happening this is impending right you know? exactly so. exactly yeah and
2: after and and you say about the mountains um showing um when when we actually got to see it you could see that literally the the trees that were cut out on the mountain like the could- tornado actually came down the mountain you could see the line of trees that were missing so it just tore them
0: out in a, a, yep. a, like, almost like a roadway that it made, yep. created.
2: Yep. Yep. Right. It and, was quite intense.
0: <laughs> yeah. I am sure. Well, you and your family really were fortunate to survive this, mm-hmm. this whole situation, did you lose we a fed. lot of your animals?
2: We did lose a couple animals. We lost some chickens and some, uh, maybe a goat. We did have goats. Um, but, um. The rest of the animals survived.
0: Did you have for a long time some post-traumatic stress?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I mean, I'm still, if the, if the wind, I don't mind the storm so bad. I, I mean, I would even get scared of thunder and lightning. Yeah. I mean, we literally, one day, my mom my mom and I both dealt with it. And my neighbor, she deals with it too. Uh, we still talk about it to this day. But my mom and I, right after the storm, the light. There was some lightning over on Williamsport, like on the mountain on Williamsport, and um, we left. We we tried to get away from the storm. Wow! Like you just yeah. said, I'm just out of here. We're just out of here. <laughs> yeah, but it it was tough. It was tough to, to deal with the storms because I mean it was. It was a really scary night, so Mm -hmm. and my mom kinda giggles because she says, I didn't hear the storm, Jenny, because you were screaming all the way down the steps. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I'm sure. I would be right there with you, Jenny.
0: I would be right there
2: with you. So So, I I mean, that was a really very, very scary evening and um we're just thankful that we're all here to talk about it. But it was sad for the people who lost their lives and
0: Well, an amazing story. Thank you for uh, sharing it with us. I really appreciate it. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Glad that I could. I am too.
0: Now for a breakdown of how the storms unfolded that day, I'm joined in the studio by Bob Larson and Dave Dombeck, senior meteorologist here at AccuWeather, who were here on the floor that day. Dave, you've joined me in the past. This is my first time having Bob in the uh, podcast studio. So thank you both for joining me today.
1: Yep. My pleasure. pleasure. Our pleasure. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah.
0: First, tell me, uh, you know, we'll start with you, Bob. Like, what your jobs were at the time, back in 1985?
1: Well, at the time, I was doing a little bit of everything, only limited radio work at that point. On that given day, I was not doing any radio broadcasts, but I was talking to a number of our TV affiliates and briefing them on the uh, upcoming five-day forecast. And I'd work that afternoon. That in itself was a novelty for me because I was working early morning, so simply working during the daytime was different. And we could, during the course of that afternoon, while everything was very slow to take shape in terms of the storms, the handwriting was definitely on the wall. There were so many ingredients in place for a severe weather outbreak that really stood out.
0: What about you, Dave?
3: Well, myself, I was actually uh, doing some of the same um, stuff that I'm doing now with uh, looking at Northeast weather. I think my Mm -hmm. schedule at the time uh, was a blend of radio. Did some uh, small, medium-sized market uh, stations in in, uh, the Northeast, Pennsylvania, New York State, and New England. Uh, I think we had a TV station in Wilkes-Barre, Scranton at the time. Oh, okay. uh, I might have done like one newspaper newspaper was really not big at, at that time in, in the mid 80s uh, And I was working that day and you were working too Bob uh, yes. that, that particular day and it was a Friday Yes it, it was a Friday. Yeah.
0: Let's kind of break down how the day unfolded
3: I know we had looked at this but and again you've got to remember this is so many years ago Now we're modeled to death and we've talked about that mm-hmm. how many different computer models we have so many choices and options So many choices yeah. you know A to Z Uh, Back then, you were very, very limited in in the information, the computer information you had and the guidance, but we were looking at this setup like days ahead of time, you know, several, at least a few days ahead of time, and we saw pretty great potential for there to be severe weather.
0: Do you think the indications really showed how bad it could potentially get?
3: Uh, I, I would say no, not to that extent, but we knew that the potential was quite high for there to be a severe weather outbreak somewhere in the eastern Ohio Valley, eastern Great Lakes, uh, and into the Appalachian Mountains um, of Pennsylvania and New York State and so forth. We, we saw that potential, and we really started playing it up like a day or two ahead of time in, in the wording of our forecasts for mm-hmm. the TV stations, for the radios, and so forth. Uh, and so just the setup was a, was a strong system moving through the northern lakes, southern Canada, strong cold front, a good surge of warmth and humidity out ahead of it, high dew point air and so forth, and the timing was good. And so all these ingredients that we were looking at were there for for a pretty good severe weather, average, but not to the extent of what actually happened right. after the
1: fact when you look at that. Right. I would add that in addition to the lack of computer models back then, the lack of the way we can display data then compared to now in mm-hmm. terms of uh, at... at almost instantaneously, we can now call up projected all the different uh, indices and whatnot mm-hmm. sure. uh, from model to model. All the severe weather indices that you look at when trying to determine if there would be a severe weather outbreak, that capability didn't exist. Then. It was limited number of models, limited amount of displays that you could show or project. But despite all of that, as you said, the handwriting was on the wall for an outbreak. Maybe not the extent, as you said, in terms of both severity and coverage. Mm-hmm. I would say the, the aerial coverage the, the size of this outbreak, of this severe weather outbreak, was very impressive, But I think that was something that uh, would have been very difficult to pick out in advance. But uh, as you say, even a day or two ahead of this, uh, it became more and more apparent that there was something that uh, was going to be potentially severe and worth noting and definitely had to spread the word. And there was an increased sense of urgency that Friday as we drew closer to the outbreak. Well, Explored. we never
3: really anticipated anything in the morning or the midday or the early afternoon, but we thought that by mid-afternoon, like, you know, by three right. o'clock, we would start seeing some activity going. And I remember that feeling in my gut. It's yes. like, oh no. At three o'clock, if I could recall, and this is going way back in my memory cells here, but I don't even think there was a shower echo on the radar, and it was mm-hmm. like in the middle of the afternoon, nothing's going on. Finally, it like if, uh, I can recall somewhere between three and four, remember seeing a couple of little dots on the radar. Finally, but they were like little showers that were right. that were, that existed at that time, and it's like everything's going down the tubes. And we saw this. What's going on? Right. And then within, and and I and I again, I don't have exact you know time here, but sometime after four o'clock, between like four and six o'clock, literally all hell broke loose mm-hmm. because you went from these couple little wimpy showers mm-hmm. to these like cyclops looking things on radar that were these discrete, all by themselves cells not a line. right was, which is you know, always the scariest cells, cells. Yes, and, and and the radar imagery the the <laughs> what we had at the time available if I remember was on the wet fax paper you know that we used to yes. get these things and it was no colors or anything it was so I mean low-tech uh, compared to today but you were getting these, like, going from these almost nothing showers to these mongo-looking storms in, a, like, 20 minutes. So that was telling us what was happening at that time, that it was like the, the classic, what well, we say the lid is on the atmosphere. You had a cap. Everything was like you were... Like a pressure cooker holding it back holding it back and then boom it like it blew right. it's everything just, just and when it blew. explodes it, it ex- explodes very quickly and, and th-
0: one way that i like to think about it is if you're if, if you're holding down a beach ball underwater mm-hmm. the farther and harder mm-hmm. down right. you push it yes mm-hmm. when you release it the higher it is going to Excellent. go Excellent the, right. the, you know because that always kind of is, is a good way to kind of describe that to me but what were you going to say bob about your uh experience with it because you had left, right? Priority? Right. I
1: actually left a little bit after you did, Dave, mm-hmm. as I recall. Now, all along, we had the evening portrayed as the peak time. It wasn't though we were expecting it to all be in the afternoon, but we thought there would at least be sun development. Typically, if you're focusing on western New York to western and central Pennsylvania, uh, you would you would see some activity, potentially heavy activity from Michigan back through Indiana or Ohio, and that's or we happened to see those couple of small showers, we thought mm-hmm. we'd at least see storms at that point. We had not, so even after I left, which would have been a little later than you, still next to nothing. And I also had that same sinking feeling leaving the building and thinking, "Oh <laughs> no, did we, we've been talking about this for two days? Is it just not going to happen?" Boy, was that concern wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. In
0: fact, it was good that you guys it really was. did like sound the alarm bells mm-hmm. a couple of days ahead of time because even then, I've I've read some like survivor reports and different people talking about it where they kind of dismissed it as the day was going on and nothing Mm -hmm. had happened yet that's what makes it a really bad situation and what made this different because this was an extremely unusual situation for for the location
3: for the location and not as much so um you know farther west west of the appalachian mountains eastern ohio valley it was it's prime time i mean let's face it i mean if i were to if you were to ask me in in pennsylvania uh, mm-hmm. Or near nearby, give me a date or give me an approximate time of the year when it's most likely to get a, a severe weather outbreak,
1: including tornadoes. I would have to say late May. Yes, or maybe early. it's a very sure. small the window. Is yes, uh, from basically a ten-day of not less window from about May 25th to June 4th, mm-hmm. somewhere in that window, and that was right smack in the middle of that. If you go back and look at previous outbreaks, so many of them occurred during that narrow little window of yeah. time. I also want to double back and circle back to that idea of explosive development and the capping. That's something that we see routinely in West Texas along a dry line or something mm-hmm. like yes. that up in Oklahoma, where there's next to nothing, and in late afternoon or perhaps almost early evening, there's explosive development. We typically do not see it work out that way across this part of the mm-hmm. country. That's right. that's correct. And, and like Bob said, we didn't have the, uh, you know,
3: the luxury of looking at all the different model information and picking apart model soundings and all that, we didn't have that available back then. No. So it's like we were just expecting there to be, okay, here's your thunderstorms forming, here's your line, and now we're going to watch for severe. And it just didn't happen I, that I way. I think one of like the that.
1: other things that, that separates this from other is the intensity of the low itself or the disturbance of the storm. So mm-hmm. the center of the low that was coming out of the lakes and in into Ontario, uh, unusually deep and strong for this time, for that time of year, for the mm-hmm. end of May and whatnot. Bob and
3: I are both Penn Staters, and we're close, a couple of years apart in our, you know, graduation years. But I can remember, that's one of the things that our professors would stress. Uh, one of the ingredients you want to look for in severe weather outbreaks is is the low, pre- like the lower the pressures, the stronger the low pressure system, uh, the greater the chances of getting a major severe weather outbreak. And that was yes. a very strong low for that time of the year. For right. Maybe April, not but for late May, almost June, that was a very strong low.
0: Well, a quick breakdown of this storm. So it had 43 tornadoes. Um, They were Ohio, Pennsylvania, New York, Ontario, 89 people killed Mm -hmm. officially, and more than 1,000 injured. So can you guys talk to me about even the storm, what you saw that it did, and like the aftermath? Because I know both of you were here in Pennsylvania at the Mm -hmm. time
1: just overwhelmed at those numbers, uh, looking back and knowing the potential was there at, at least two or not three days in advance, and seeing it come to fruition, and our worst fears then being realized that it could turn out to be that devastating, and then some, uh, the sheer numbers mm-hmm. of it all. And it was not until the next day that this all began to sink in, because we had to remember that this was in an era before social media, before smartphones, mm-hmm. and it took uh, longer for news to spread, and it wasn't until that Saturday, the next day. Uh, that the news reports were coming in about the numbers, some of those numbers that you just you know cited there it was right. incredible
0: one of the things you don 't have facebook you don 't have twitter you don 't have all those things to show you the pictures immediately of what 's mm-hmm. going on mm-hmm. and growing up in Pennsylvania like I did there's this myth kind of thing that. Well, tornadoes, they can't survive the mountains, mm-hmm. you know, we're, yes. you're not going to see that kind of outbreak here. Mm-hmm. And then the fact that it was 1985, and, you know, people could possibly dismiss the information because mm-hmm. they're thinking, eh, we're in Pennsylvania, or we're in, you know, New York, or places that don't typically see that kind of...
1: Yeah, the mentality of the how bad can it get? This isn't yes. Texas, this isn't mm-hmm. Oklahoma or Kansas. It's true that it doesn't happen nearly as often, but this is proof that when it does happen, it certainly can happen in... It can be every bit as dangerous absolutely uh, we were sharing before uh, we
3: were recording this uh, Regina about uh, there was a person uh, forecaster uh, at the time working here he his uncle lived in Albion basically right, ground zero of, of absolutely really death devastating. and destruction mm-hmm. um, Pennsylvania. he didn't he didn't know uh, that evening if his uncle was alive this the house had gotten destroyed they were pretty he was there and it was just basically it was just a bunch of rubble and they did right. not know if he, they thought he would, they were going to pull him out, you know, not alive the next day. They found him alive, injured pretty badly, uh, but alive. Wow. Saturday afternoon, like the next day, uh, they had to dig through all the rubble, Debray all the and rubble. bricks and everything. But he, he survived. And that was, he was just, you know, the, my, my coworker, he was just freaking out, not knowing if his uncle was alive. So right. There's a real life story that you know right. somebody's life affected big time. Right.
0: So this was something I had not known about until talking to you about some reptile. Like, what was the situation <laughs> there?
3: The Reptile. Yeah. If the, the the storm that that went across central Pennsylvania hit northern Centre County, uh, and we were sharing this too that to years after that storm hit, I mean, it just cut a swath through the uh, the Michannon State Forest in mm-hmm. northern Centre County and into Clinton County. And that went all the way east to uh, Allenwood Pennsylvania in the Susquehanna Valley where Clyde Peeling's Reptile Land is located and that went right through the park and it damaged some of the cages and so forth and the reports were that you know some snakes and all other reptiles all these reptiles, reptiles are on the like loose. loose because the yeah. storm hit they, that t- tornado hit right right through there wow. uh, that was the same storm that hit northern center county but we had uh, m- myself another forecaster who's since retired and this guy who didn't know if his uncle was alive, the three of us, went north to look at the damage. And it was just unbelievable where you could just see it almost looked like a bulldozer that somebody just cut a, a bulldozer, a, a swath. Wow. Uh, through the trees, everything snapped. And, and it was the classic, not everything blown the same way. It was the classic tornado damage where one thing would be blown this way and then another you know, blown this way. It was very chaotic, very circular motion, and I remember seeing a a pine tree. Literally, it looked like the thing was twisted and snapped, and it was like toothpicks all over the place.
0: Well, you know, why you guys are here, I want you to take a a listen to some audio that we have from WICU in Erie about uh, first responders on the ground at that time.
1: We got to uh, uh, John Williams Avenue. We stopped, and uh, that's where we started Uh, our triage uh, just uh, (laughs) people all over the place and uh... a lot of fractures and chest injuries head injuries arm injuries um, kidney injuries back injuries it was a carnage like a war this is the worst thing that's ever happened in this town and it's it's sad you know it's I've lived here all my life, and, and we never thought anything like this could happen to us, and it did.
0: As a meteorologist, you're sitting there and you're looking at the radar and how things unfold. What's it like for you seeing that happening and knowing that there are people underneath that losing their lives? That's got to be, you know, pretty hard for you to even see.
1: Yeah, it certainly is. It's uh, devastating. It's a very sinking feeling. It's, um, you, you just hope that people have uh, taken shelter and, and, and they're able to heed the warnings. And because all the worst fears are becoming realized when you see it unfold before your very eyes, and you can hear the emotion in the first responders to witness this after it is hit, it's uh, it's it uh, certainly can be overwhelming. Yeah, I mean, just listening to that, I'm almost getting choked up. Mm-hmm. Um,
3: I mean, that's real. That's that's where the rubber hits the road. And you know, Bob, we're we're weather weenies. We're we we love the weather. You know, mm-hmm. we we just love crazy weather. However when it gets to that point and you know that people's lives are affected, people injured, maybe dying. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just a gut wrenching feeling. Well and I you're mean, hoping, hoping that you've got the message right. out ahead right. of time
0: Absolutely. and that they've listened and so th- and trying to give that sense of urgency.
3: As a meteorologist, and Bob will attest to this, there's no greater feeling, bar none, than knowing that that the job you did, the hard work that you saved Somebody's lives. So, yeah, yes. it, there's true. no That's better feeling. About. Than that, That's so, what yep. it's really all about. Very rewarding in it, yeah. No better feeling. Mm-hmm.
0: So tell me a little bit about that afternoon because uh, you know, Bob, you were saying that you were traveling in central Pennsylvania, yeah. not because uh, when you left, you didn't see the radars after you leave. It's mm-hmm. like again before no social media. Phones. No <laughs> cell
1: phones. Yeah, no yeah. smartphones <laughs> to pull up a quick radar. I left work here close to 6 p.m. just after you, Dave, mm-hmm. and had to go to a wedding rehearsal that evening, about 20 miles out of town. Very quiet drive out there. The sun's still shining. We had the rehearsal. And at some point during the rehearsal dinner, word got out that a watch had been issued. I, I'm assuming it was a tornado watch. It conceivably might have been a severe thunderstorm watch this far east, but it probably was a tornado watch. Mm-hmm. So my first thought was, all right, storms are still... Because when, when I left, there was that sense of doubt. And then when I heard that, I thought, okay, storms are apparently forming. And then driving home after that dinner, the storm was hitting. And what strikes me, two things stand out. The lightning, the you hear the term frequent lighting, this was a virtually continuous lighting. Yes. Just to lit up sky. To yes. the yes. point yes. Where just sky. I thought, I do not need my headlights at this point. Wow. Mm-hmm. I, and I even turned them off just to see, to prove my theory, which scared my wife at the time. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> Just, but just the, wanted to test it. Put yeah. the lights back on, but mm-hmm. it right. was, uh, which I did, uh, but I really did not need the lights and the blinding downpours. And then the, the length of time that that storm lasted, oftentimes in a, in a, in a significant thunderstorm, the onset... The storm will have the burst of wind, the gust front, you'll have the downpour, and maybe in some cases hail. And then it quickly evolves into more or less a steady rainfall with some flashes of lightning and rumbles of thunder, and then it stops and moves on. This kept going, at the intensity that you see at the storm. storm kept going for an extended period of time, all the while not knowing that a tornado or tornadoes were breaking out throughout Pennsylvania, and one particular was going through northern Center County. While I was witnessing this, I'm thinking, well, it's just a severe storm, but not knowing the magnitude of what was happening. Right, probably like 20 miles from where you were at the time, 25
3: miles, maybe 30 miles, yeah, uh, north uh, was what that tornado mm-hmm. was happening. Right, right about that time. I was actually uh, I had uh, gotten off of work, um, and I actually uh, me and another guy working at AccuWeather at the time we went up to the Penn State weather station, mm-hmm. and being the you know the weather geeks that we were. Uh, looking at all the stuff that we could at the time and getting all excited about what's happening. But I do, I distinctly remember Dr. Uh, Forbes, uh, Greg mm-hmm. Forbes, being there. And I mean, that's his specialty, is right. severe, uh, severe weather. And, you know, really, he was just like,
1: <laughs> he was going nuts that night.
0: I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. 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 And what did we learn from this particular
1: Oh, Well, we learned that we twins. are not immune from this type of outbreak. Clearly, it may not mm-hmm. happen dearly. As often as it does in so-called Tornado Alley, but we are far from being immune from something of like this happening. And it helps dispel the myth that tornadoes can't make it across the mountains, much the way people have the myth that tornadoes can't move into a major city. Right. And, right. And, and heed the warnings. Right. Heed the, the, warnings. the warnings. Yes. Yeah. And even yes. the watches, because I always sometimes I'll have people approach me and ask the difference, say that they are confused between the difference between a watch and a warning, uh, which is worse. You know, watch. I always say, say, think of as a first stage. Alert. be vigilant and be prepared to listen to any subsequent warnings that may come out. It's not a call to action but it should, it's a it prep. Should alert you to the fact that something may something serious potentially is going to happen mm-hmm. and then uh, be prepared to act accordingly if warnings are issued down right. the road.
0: Right. And the one uh, quote that I had, which I thought was pretty good, it was uh, from the original survey report from NOAA in 1985. And it was a quote by one of the uh, members of the team that perhaps the lesson to be learned from the 1985 outbreak is that under proper atmospheric conditions, major tornadoes can occur irrespective of location and terrain.
3: You absolutely Very i couldn't well have put. said it any better <laughs> well perfect right. yeah
0: well thank you both for joining me i appreciate it it's been my, my pleasure.
3: pleasure absolutely my pleasure
0: really want to thank our guest and want to tell you about next week's podcast we have a historical look back at d-day and how the weather impacted it so you'll want to tune in for that Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to AccuWeather's Everything Under the Sun, giving you the stories behind the weather and so much more. New episodes every Thursday. Just search for AccuWeather on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or visit accuweather.com podcast.